stuff. So that's what we do at our house. We are thankful while the Christmas decorations are up. Uh, but anyways, that's uh, neither here nor there. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the message this morning. So uh, in case you haven't done it yet, please turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. I want to thank Brother Billy and Sister Peggy for allowing me the opportunity to come and share what God has put on my heart this morning. We've got some wonderful, wonderful pastors, and it's a blessing that they would let me uh, share their pulpit. So I'm thankful for that opportunity. Speaking of Christmas coming soon, we we just passed the end of October. And, uh, of course, you know, Halloween's on October 31st. And uh, so we started doing something in our, in our youth department several years back uh, that, that we call Hell Week. Hell Week. I don't know if you've ever been to, to boot camp. I, was never, I never served in any branch of the military. But typically in boot camps, they, they have what's called a Hell Week. And it's just a very, very difficult week of uh, just utter exhaustion and, and mental breakdown and, and all those kinds of things. And so we, we try to, to do that to our kids here at Calvary. I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't do that. But that week, the week before, the Wednesday before Halloween, we talk about hell. And I know it's not comfortable. It's not a, it's not a subject people like to, to hear about because no one wants to truly believe in the realities of hell. In fact, the statistics say that over 56% of Christians do not believe in hell. And it's, it's easy to just kind of push the idea of hell aside and say, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's whatever. But uh, I, whenever I look in the Bible and read the Gospels, Jesus preached on hell 33 times. And he only preached for about three years before he was crucified. Three years. He preached 33 times. That's almost one message about hell every single month that he preached. I don't know about you, but I imagine there would be a lot of people that would quit coming to churches if we preached on hell once a month. Just because it's, a, it's an uncomfortable subject. But Jesus thought it was important. He preached on it. He taught on it. In fact, that is the second most common theme that Jesus preached on. The second most common theme. And we're not going to talk about hell today. I'll let you wait until hell week next year. But uh, we're going to talk about the first most talked about theme that Jesus preached on during his ministry. You want to know what that is? It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. And so over the next few times that I preach, I'm actually going to preach about the kingdom of God and, and what Jesus said about it because it was a very popular theme with him. He talked about it a lot. In fact, he talked about the kingdom of God uh, more than he preached on uh, money or stewardship or, or love or sacrifice or giving or any of those things. He talked about the kingdom of heaven. And now some of you may say, hey, wait a second, I've read my Bible and I heard that Jesus mentions money more than anything else. And he does mention money a lot, which I think is uh, ironic because a lot of people come to church and they don't want to hear money being taught from the pulpit. Jesus talked a lot about money, but most of the time, whenever he talked about money, he was talking about the kingdom of God. He would say, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who had, someone help me out, a woman who had 10 coins. And so we look at that and think Jesus is preaching about money. He's not preaching about money. He's preaching about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Or you may uh, read in the Bible where Jesus uh, talks about the uh, unfaithful servant or the wicked servant. 
the one that hid the talent and, and returned it to his master whenever his master came home. And, and we think God, we think Jesus in the moment that he's talking about money. Well, he's not talking about money. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of heaven. It's a very, very popular. In fact, I want to show you a picture real quick. Um, this is uh, from the Bible software that I use whenever I study. This is uh, Matthew chapter 13, and I know you can't read it from there, and that's okay, but you can see all the little circles on it. This is a portion of Matthew chapter 13, and every time I've circled it up there is when Jesus uh, specifically mentions the kingdom, or kingdom people, or the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. And this is 11 times in the, in the Matthew chapter 13, he actually mentions the kingdom 12 times. I didn't even have, my computer screen wasn't even big enough to to get all 12 of them in there. There's only 11 up there on the screen. But just in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus mentions the kingdom of heaven 12 times. And I think the reason is maybe because he wants us to understand it more. And I think it would do us some good to study the kingdom of God, especially as Americans, because honestly, if we're being honest, we don't really know how to live in a kingdom. We don't live in a kingdom here in the United States of America. We don't have a king. We don't serve a king. We have a president. We have a, a republic here in the United States of America where we elect our leaders and we expect them to perform to whatever ideas that we have. And if they don't, we might try to elect someone else. And that's the way it goes around here. In a kingdom, it's completely different. The king rules, the king reigns, and his word goes. And so it's, it's almost a foreign concept for us to even understand the kingdom of heaven. And I think a lot of us, we treat God like a president. Like, I, I like it whenever you say this, God. And I like it, you know, whenever you mention that. That's my favorite part. But it's, it's kind of hard to hear this part over here. And I don't know that I, I want that part. And so we, we just kind of treat him like, I don't know, maybe I'll just elect someone else. Or, or maybe I'll just elect my own idea about this one certain subject. But can I encourage you, church, when you read the word of God, read it as the truth. It doesn't matter whether you, in our young adults class where we're studying apologetics, it doesn't matter whether you believe something is true or not. Your opinion doesn't change the truth. The truth is the truth. And God's word is true. And so whenever we read the word of God, we shouldn't be shy. We shouldn't be skeptical of some parts. We should read it and say, God, this is your word. I believe it and I trust you in it. Come on, someone say amen. 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 Anyways, Matthew chapter 20. That was a long introduction. I'm sorry for that. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 1. Jesus is speaking. He says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again, and he saw some more people standing around, and he asked them, Why haven't you been working today? And they replied, Because no one hired us. The landowner told them, Then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. And when those hired at 5 o'clock, someone say 5 o'clock. 
when those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So, those who are last now, remember this is Jesus speaking, those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Can we agree that Jesus tells some really good stories? He tells some really good stories. This is a parable. A parable is a fictional story that Jesus made up to teach about a truth in the kingdom of God. And if you read through, especially the, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you read through whenever Jesus talks, most of the time he starts out his sermons with, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he starts telling a story. And they're all great stories, and I love this one right here. This one's great. We're going to spend our time on this story here this morning. But I want you to notice this. Whenever Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven, he says the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. The landowner. We get so caught up with thinking about the first workers who were treated poorly or treated unfairly that we don't think about what the scripture says. The scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. And I think what Jesus is trying to say is this. If you want to understand the kingdom of God, you have to know the king that rules the kingdom. If you want to understand about the kingdom of God and how it works, you have to first understand about the king. So we're going to talk about the king this morning. Is that all right? Point number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Point number one, this king is fair. This king is fair. It says that he gave each man his wages. Listen, I will admit, and I know that you probably would too, that whenever we read this story, you automatically sympathized with who? The first workers, the early workers. The landowner, he, he went out into town and he, he saw some people standing around back in this day. Uh, if, if someone wasn't employed, they didn't have a job, they would go stand around in the marketplace and wait for someone to come and hire them. And so that's what happened. Jesus tells this story. Of, again, it's a fictional story, but that's what would happen in that day and time. And there's people in his story that are standing around waiting to be hired. And so the landowner comes and says, hey, you want to work in my vineyard? And they, yes. And so he says, okay, well, how about I pay you a full day's wage? What is right? That, you know, there's a, a customary daily wage in Israel in that time. And, and so he says, I will pay you a full day's wage to come work in my vineyard. So they agree to it. And they go work. And uh, if, you, if you study scripture, and if you study Hebrew culture, Israel culture at that time, the day begins at six o'clock. And so he says, he goes early in the morning, so let's, let's just say six o'clock, that's as early in the morning as you can get. And he hires the workers, they start at six o'clock. I remember some of the workers were hired at five o'clock that evening, 
which means the first people that were hired worked for 12 hours. It wasn't an eight-hour day. They were working 12 hours, 12-hour days. And the landowner hires them. They come out to their vineyard, and they start working. And they work, and they work, and they work from 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Take a break for lunch. 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 o'clock. They've been working all day. And along, as the day progresses along, all of a sudden more people start showing up at 9 o'clock. More people start showing up at noon. More people start showing up at 3 o'clock. Still people are coming in at 5 o'clock to work in this vineyard. And after the day is over, Jesus, or the, the landowner, Jesus is telling this story, the landowner tells his foreman, hey, go ahead and pay everybody. Start by paying the last workers, those that showed up at five, start by paying them first. So he does. And he pays them a full day's wage. Imagine you started at 6 a.m. You worked all day and you saw that. Would you get excited? Would you get excited? Because you thought, wow, this guy is is very generous. He's paid, they only worked for one hour. And we didn't start at five, we started at 6 a.m. And we worked all through the day. And it's hot outside. I don't know if any of y'all have ever worked outside in Texas in the month of August, but imagine working 12 hours in the Texas sun and you see someone that came and worked for one hour and they get paid a full day's wage and at that point you're probably licking your lips like this is going to be good it's payday bless God so you're waiting there in line and each person goes through and everybody's getting a day's wage even the 5 o'clock and the 3 o'clock and the noon you're like man I have been here all day I'm about to get mine and you get up to the end right there And the foreman says, here you go. Here's your day's wage. How would you feel? You would probably feel like, wait wait a second. Hang on. Uh, Foreman, I I don't don't have any beef with you. I want to talk to the owner. Let me speak to your manager, right? (laughs) They go straight to the owner. This isn't fair. We've been working all day, and it was hot. And these guys just showed up. Yet you paid them the same as you paid me. Listen, it's easy for us to sympathize with them. Why? Because it's in our human nature to want to get ahead. Anything we can do to get ahead or to progress ourselves, we're going to go for it. And so whenever we see someone else that's getting ahead, we get jealous. We start to think, hey, this isn't fair. Wait a second. No, no, no. That's not the way this should work. And so they come and they share their beef with the owner, and the owner says, hey, didn't you agree to work for me for one day's wage? Wasn't that our agreement? Isn't that what we settled on this morning at 6 o'clock? Well, well, yeah. Well, then take your money and go. I haven't been unfair. Someone say the king is fair. And we may feel as though someone else has been blessed or more favored by God than us. Just... We could be open and, and transparent today, can't we? If you have ever felt that, that idea in your mind come across like, God, why have you blessed them with that, but why haven't you blessed me? Have you ever thought that? You, you can be honest with me. Come on. God, I, I mean, 
look at them. They, they don't even go to church as much as I do. They don't volunteer on Sundays. Why did they get a raise? Why did they get a promotion? God, why, don't you see me? Like, I, Lord, I, I wake up every morning and I read the word. I pray for an hour every day. I never miss going to church. If I'm out of town, I find a church to go to. God, where is my blessing? I should have a blessing. If they're getting blessed, I should be getting blessed. Can I encourage you, though? In the kingdom of God, our priority shouldn't be on getting ahead. That's a worldly mentality. In the kingdom of God, our mentality should be, how can I serve? God, what can I do? It's just a blessing that you came to town and picked me. I am so thankful, God, that you chose me. I'll do anything. I'll scrub the toilets. I'll clean the floors. I'll, uh, I'll help whoever needs help. I'll, I'll do whatever. God, just I'm just so happy you picked me. Listen, church, that should be our mindset. Listen, the king is not unfair. The, in fact, if we were to go up to God and say, God, Listen, I don't think you've been quite fair with me. I feel like he is a father. You know, sometimes when my sons come to me and they say stuff like that, I'm like, oh, really? Like, I haven't been fair. Yeah, really? And I can imagine if we were to go to God and say, God, I don't feel like you've been fair with me. He said, well, do you, I can imagine he would say, I would as a father, I don't know. He's a lot more kind than I am. But I can imagine he could say, oh, do you really want what's fair? Oh, wait a second, God. <laughs> See, because if we were to get what would truly be fair, if you took grace out of the equation, I promise you, it would make a full day's wage seem like the best thing you've ever gotten. Listen, our king is fair. He is fair. I want to show you a video real quick. This is of my son. He's two years old. His name is Luke. And uh, yeah, watch this. They're not ready, Luke. The muffins aren't ready. Muffins aren't They're ready. They're not ready. You want to see? They're not ready. They're not We can all agree, we can all agree that two-year-olds that don't get their way is kind of ridiculous, right? If you've ever seen a two-year-old that, that they want something, they've got their mind set on something. Our son wanted some muffins. Emily made muffins that day. I was already at work, so she sends me this video, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. She made muffins, and I imagine she told Luke, hey, we, we're going to have muffins for breakfast, and he was ready. I want it. I want it. I'm ready. Let's go eat muffins, Mom. Let's go to the kitchen. Let's eat muffins. Well, they're not ready yet, Luke. What? That's not fair. Are you kidding? They're not ready? Ah, I wanted a muffin. You told me I could have a muffin. Do we act like that sometimes with God? Like, God, you're not really being fair with me right now. 
I can just imagine God being like, hey, I, I didn't say you couldn't have a muffin. I just said you got to wait for your muffin. We as a people, we need to learn to be less focused on what can I get out of the deal and just more focused on God. I'm happy to be with you. I'm happy to be with you. Come on. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. It says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I think that's the key right there. Whatever you do, do it as if you were working for the Lord rather than working for people. And we could go ahead and say, hey, I'm a people, <laughs> instead of just working for yourself. Um, anyway, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ church, we serve a king that is fair. And we'll talk about it in one of the next times I preach, but we're already living in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven isn't something that's in the future. The kingdom of heaven's already here now. We're living in the kingdom as we speak, as we live and breathe on this earth. We're living as children of God in the kingdom of God. So we need to adjust our mentality that, hey, whenever I go punch in at work in the mornings, I'm not serving my manager. I'm not serving the owner, I'm serving God. And I'm going to give and I'm going to serve with all that I can. Mm. If you go to school, if you're a student, listen, you should be serving the Lord in your studies. There might be a class that you don't even like. I don't even like this class, That's, that has nothing to do with my major. Well, you know what, while you're in it, go ahead and serve God to the best of your ability. Come on, we serve a fair king and so we should have a heart that wants to serve. This kingdom is different because we serve a king who is always fair. Here's point number two. I want you to write this down. The king is generous. The king is fair. The king is also generous. And this is the good news. This is the part that we like to hear because in our story that we read that Jesus, that Jesus made up, this parable, we automatically sympathize with the first workers. But can I tell you this? If we're being honest, most of us here in this room today would say, hey, I'm not a first worker. I didn't serve God in my youth. I didn't start until way later. I'm, I'm more of a five o'clock kind of worker. I was ignoring God. I was putting him off. I was completely serving myself, my own motivations. And it wasn't until just recently. It wasn't until just five years ago. It wasn't until I was in my 50s that I started serving God. I, you know what? I think a lot of times we sympathize with the first workers because that's our human nature to want to get ahead. But if we're being honest, most of us are the five o'clock workers. Most of us are the ones that showed up late. Most of us were the ones that slept in. Most of us were the ones that ignored the voice of the master. And then now he's come and he's given us too an invitation. And say, yeah, yes, God, I will serve you. And I want you to notice, what did he do? He ended up paying them the same. Not more, the same as the first workers. Imagine for a minute, it's easy to sympathize with the first workers, but imagine for a moment, just think in your mind, I'm a five o'clock worker. And you go up, you're the first one in line to get your paycheck, and the foreman says, here you go, a full day's wage. How ecstatic would you be? Your, your thoughts about the landowner aren't, oh, he's unfair. Oh, he gave me just as much as he's gonna give them? 
oh, that's unfair. No, you're not thinking that. Come on. Just go, everyone just go ahead and put, put one hand up in the air real quick. We do this in the youth. Now go ahead and put it over to the side. And just real gently, just pop your neighbor in the back of the head. Just pop. You wouldn't be thinking that. You would be, wow, this guy is generous. Wow, this landowner's amazing. He is great. You would be going to town saying, hey, listen, if you can get a job, get it with him. If he'll hire you, go, because this king is generous. If we're honest this morning, we, we wouldn't even be able to sympathize with the first workers because we're the latecomers. We say, God, you know what? You have been good. You have been fair. You have been generous to me. I just love the Lord. He's so good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 8. You need to underline this in your Bible. It is good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Someone say, he's blessed me. With some spiritual blessings. No, no, no. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Oh, y'all, we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, before he made the world, God loved us. And even before he made the world, God chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. There are so many Christians running or so many people that would, that would love to be a Christian that are just running around saying, I'm just not good enough. I got to clean up my life. I got to get my act together before I can start going to church. I, I got I to gotta get better before I start praying and talking. Listen, that's a bunch of foolishness. He chose us and he loved us before he made the world. And what did he choose us? He chose us to be without fault in his eyes. He chose to look at you and say, hey, I know you have messed up in your life. I'm not, I'm not unprivy to that. I know you've messed up in your life. But in my eyes, because of your repentance, I see nothing there. Wow. Talking about a generous God. Verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Wow! I got, some of y'all need to underline this. This is, you need to, if you're feeling bad, you need to go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and just start reading and just see how loved you are in the eyes of God. Come on. It's what he wanted to do. You remember whenever the first hires got up to get their pay, they said, hey, this isn't fair. You paid them just as much as you paid me. What did the landowner say? He said, well, I paid them just as much because I wanted to. It's because I wanted to. It's not because you thought it's fair or not fair. It's not because they did or didn't earn it. I paid them that much because I wanted to. That was my heart's desire. Listen, God's desire for us is that we belong to him and that we have been given every blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God's desire is that he loves us and we love him. God's desire is that he chose us and we choose him. That's his desire. Come on, he's good. And it gives him great pleasure. Verse six, 
So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That sounds great. That's fantastic. But it doesn't even stop right there. Verse 8, he has showered, showered his kindness on us. Along with all wisdom and understanding, that word showered comes from a Greek word, parisiu, parisiu, which means to exceed the ordinary and the necessary. Excess in quantity and quality. God has exceeded beyond what's ordinary and necessary his kindness on us. God has given in excess in quantity and quality his kindness because it's what he wanted to do. It's what he wanted to do. And then he goes on to say, with all, along with all wisdom and understanding. Look how generous he is. You may say, well, I don't deserve that. I, I, I couldn't work to earn that. And I would say this, you are correct. But the truth is, he does it because he wants to. <laughs> it's not because of what you've done or what you could do for him. It's not something he gave so that in the future maybe you could pay him back or reimburse him. He doesn't need any of your reimbursement. He did it because he wanted to, because he's generous, because he's kind. It's in his nature, and it's who he is in the kingdom. This kingdom we live in is different because we have a king that is fair, and we have a king that is generous. And here's the last reason this morning I want to tell you why this kingdom we live in is different. It's because, point number three, the king is different. The king is different. <laughs> so we didn't read it, but if you were to go on and read the rest of the uh, chapter 20 of Matthew, which we've been in, you'd see this story. This mother, James and John's mother, comes to Jesus, says, Jesus, Whenever you enter your kingdom, can you make James and John my two sons, who I have no bias with at all, can you make them leaders along with you? Can you put one on your right side? Can you put one on your left side? Can you give them a place of honor in your kingdom? Now, as parents, you would agree, if you have children, you would agree that we have no bias, right? There's no bias at all. We think everyone's kids are all the same and everyone's is, you know, is, is great and our kids aren't. No, 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 no. As a parent, you believe, I know this for a fact, I'll tell you how in a second, but you believe that your children are better than the rest and you want your children to have better treatment. You want your children to be shown honor. You want your children to receive that scholarship. You want your children to get good grades so that they look good, so that you look good. You want your children to exceed and excel and, and to, to grow. And listen, that's not a bad thing. That's the way God made us parents because he wants us to be able to see our children's potential and to be able to call it and to pull it out of them. But a lot of the times as parents, we tend to have expectations for our kids that we place on them. It's an expectation that I have for my kid. And so my kid, by golly, is going to do it. I know this for a fact 
Because I used to umpire 9 and 10 year old baseball. And the game would start, everybody's happy, everybody's excited. One team would start losing. And all of a sudden, their parents, the kids are fine. They're not 19 years old. They don't care. The parents, I never had a kid come and cuss me out. I had some parents came and cussed me out. Come on, Blue. Need to borrow my glasses? Where's your walking dog? Open your eyes. Pay attention. Come on, Blue. Terrible call. And I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, th this candle right here is, is, is first base. I saw the kid grab the ball and touch first base before your kid running down the line touched first. Your kid was out. I was right here. I was three feet away. You were in left field, sir. You were on the other side of the, of the field. You, you, you're telling me you could see that better than I could. And now I'm not saying umpires are perfect. There's been lots of times, I, I'm a big baseball fan, I love the Texas Rangers. There's been lots of times I thought, wow, this umpire doesn't even know where he is at the moment. But I remember so many parents getting just irate, and I would have to calm them down. I would have to stop the game and, and say, listen, sir or ma'am, you need to sit down and calm down, or I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Well, this is just a... And I'm thinking, what, what are you, these kids are nine years old. He got out and he was laughing about it. Like, what are you so upset for? They're having fun. I think because a lot of, a lot of parents believe that, they, I don't know if you've been to a, a Little League baseball field lately, but a lot of Little League fields are putting up signs on the fence now that says, remember, this is just a game. Umpires aren't getting paid much. Coaches are volunteer. Your kid will not receive a scholarship today. Like, they are signs. You can go to Atlanta and Linden. They've got these signs on there. Your kid will not receive a scholarship today. Just to remind parents, like, hey, listen. When we get so caught up in our family, you know, I want my kid to be honored. I want my kid to be the best. I, you know, I think they're great. And I just, as an umpire, I didn't have the heart to tell them, hey, listen, your kid is fun. I've really enjoyed umpiring you know, this year with your kid, but your kid is complete garbage when it comes to the game of baseball. Like, I never had the, the heart to tell them that. Like, it was clearly evident their, their child had no athletic ability at all whatsoever. But, you know, you just kind of let them believe what they, they want to believe. And so, so here's James and John's mom, and, and you know, Jesus, will, will you give my sons a, a place of honor? Because they wanted to get ahead. And we would all say, you know, that, that's not right. Like, why are they going to pull Jesus aside? Hey, Jesus, <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I've been thinking. You know, uh, James and John, they, they were one of your first disciples. Uh, you know, they, they've been really good. You know, they, they've kept their temp. There was that one time they said they would call down fire from heaven and, and kill people. You know, it was just, it was just one, an isolated event. You know, they've been pretty great disciples for you. You know, if you could, maybe just give them a, a little seat of honor next to you. And then the disciples, the rest of the disciples, they hear about this. And what do they do? Oh, no. Uh-uh. James, John, come here. We, we got to have a word. Listen, there's 12 of us, sir. 12 of us. We all vying for this position. 
you don't need to be going to Jesus, buttering up to him. You don't need to be, you know, the, the teacher's pet. Come on, man, you can do better than that. They get all irate with them too. And so here's James and John trying to get the, the position of honor. Here's the, the rest of the disciples. They're all mad because James and John are asking for the, the, the position. And do you remember that just a few verses earlier, Jesus is teaching about people that got upset whenever other people seemed to get a better deal than they did. And Jesus, at this moment, I could just imagine, he's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, me. When is this going to be over? Like, I don't know. There's times in the Bible where Jesus said, how long do I have to deal with you? <laughs> I love Jesus. He was great. He was great. He is great. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. As Jesus called them together and said, You know, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. It's got to be different, guys. Listen. All this bicker and all this whining and complaining. Listen, it has to be different with you guys. We're, you're in the world, but you belong to a new kingdom now. And this kingdom is different than the kingdom you've been accustomed to. You're going to have to change the way you think. It will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Things here are a little bit different than you were, grew up with. Things now are a lot different than the rest of the world knows them to be. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, in this kingdom, the king is fair. The king is generous. But I'm a little bit different. And in this kingdom, it will be different. The way that you think has to change. Your mentality towards certain things has to be different because now you're serving a king that's different than what you're used to. And this is why I said at, at the beginning, I said as Americans, we need to understand the kingdom more. Because the king, can, can I step on your toes? If you're a very political person, I've got my own political ideas and then opinions too, but listen, you're living in a kingdom now. And we live in a country and we should do our civil, our civil duties, our civil responsibilities. Absolutely. I'm not saying ignore those things. Those things are important. But it's not the most important. The most important is that we live in a kingdom now. And in this kingdom, things are different than in our American ideology. Come on. If you want to get ahead, learn to serve. If you want to be a leader, pick up a rag. Start dusting something. If you want to be great, if you want to be first then make yourself humble. Become the least you could possibly be. Because in the kingdom of God, it's different 
because we serve a king that made himself low. We're going to be talking about it here in just a few weeks on Christmas. A king over all the universe that humbled himself and became nothing and came down low to us. His kingdom is different, church. It's different. Mm. So we've got to learn to change the way we think. Success should look different to us now. The way that we define power and authority should be a lot different to us now. The way we lead and the way we live should be different because we live in a kingdom that's different. Philippians chapter 2. This is our, our practical application for this week. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And this kingdom is different. I know you want to get ahead in life. I know you, you're working hard for that promotion. I, I know you, you need, I mean, with the price of inflation and everything, I know you need that raise. And, and there, there are certain things that we work towards in this life, and it's a part of life. But listen, in the kingdom, we need to look less at our own interests and look out more for the interests of others. You may say, well, I don't have the resources to help. You have something that you can give. I was talking with our youth on Wednesday night. One of my students said this week, I, I really needed a hug. And someone gave me a hug. You may not have $100,000 that you can just share with people, but you probably have two arms. You probably have a voice that can give encouragement. You probably have fingers that can dial a phone number and, and speak life into somebody that's been struggling. You probably have feet where you can go to someone who's been lonely and share a meal with them. Look out less for your own interests and look at the interests of others. Verse 5, Philippians 2 verse 5 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. This is the king. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, in this kingdom, humility brings elevation. Since Jesus humbled himself and God elevated him to the highest position of honor. If you want to be elevated, you've got to get your mind off yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not all about you. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, let them know. Come on, I'm, I'm used to youth here. They're always talking. Look at, the, look at someone else and say, it's definitely not about you. <laughs> we got to remind ourselves, listen, this isn't all about me. I'm here in this kingdom, and I serve a king that's fair. I serve a king that is way too generous for my own good. <laughs> and I serve a king that's different king that's different. So this week, as we close and pray, I want to encourage you 
instead of focusing on getting ahead this week, let your focus be on getting someone else ahead. Let your focus be how can I just, just go, everyone just close your eyes just real quick. Just close your eyes. I want you to think of one person you know that has a need. I don't know who it was that popped up in your mind whenever I said that, but whoever that person was, this week, I want you to help them get ahead. You can open your eyes. That's your, that's your practical application this week. Look less at your own interests and look at the interest of others too. Be fair this week, be generous, and be different this week because we live in a kingdom that has a king that is fair and generous and different. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your word. And I pray today that, that we as believers, we as the children of God, that our mind, our mentality would begin to change. Lord, that we wouldn't just look out for ourselves or, or for our own elevation, God, but that we would look at the needs of others and we would serve them just as you came and you served us. Lord, I pray that we would be the most generous and most thoughtful and most different people that every non-believer in our area could ever see because we serve a king that is fair and generous and different. God, I pray that this week that unbelievers would see you through our actions, through our giving, and through our generosity. Lord, because ultimately, we want them to know you and to be a part of this kingdom too. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So go this week and be generous. Amen. You're dismissed.